Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me. All of us, let's stand together. I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome to the second service. We're so glad that you're in worshiping with us today. How many of you believe the Word of God's got something to say to you? And the Word of God's got something to say to me today. Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us. Lord, let our minds be open, our heart receptive to what you're going to say to each and every one of us here today through your word. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. I want to speak to you this morning about becoming a next level person. We have a little granddaughter. She'll turn one year old next month. And we're getting pictures and videos of her taking her first steps. And uh, that's kind of exciting when you're a grandparent. And she takes about two steps and falls right on her ear. Now, if Matt was making those steps at uh, age 36 and taking two steps and falling on his rear, it wouldn't be quite as interesting. But you know what we do with Riley? We applaud her and we say, isn't that cute and isn't that wonderful? But if you're 40 still doing that, it's not so wonderful. But God has a way of growing us and challenging us and stretching us. And certainly the person who's at the top didn't fall there. How many of you know he had to climb there? But I want to give you an interesting verse. This is Psalm chapter 16. If you have your Bible, you can certainly turn there. It's a Psalm of David. And I find this, uh, this verse kind of interesting for me because David writes, As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So I want you to turn to the person on your left and right and look at the excellent people sitting around you. Now my question is, David, did you get that right? I mean, how excellent are these people who are called saints? Because sometimes us saints think that we ain't quite what we're cracked up to be. And so he says, how are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight? So God is saying that he delights in his saints. Now, the word excellent here means noble, powerful, mighty, glorious, great. And so we're going to say, David, are you sure that we're that excellent? Because sometimes I don't feel that excellent. How do you with me? You don't feel all that excellent sometimes. But according to the word of God, you are excellent saints. And God calls those things that are not as though they were. Now you have to understand that verse Two qualifies the statement in verse 3 because verse 2 says, My goodness is nothing apart from you. Did you hear what he said? My goodness is nothing apart from you. So I cannot be excellent without him. Do you agree with that? I cannot be righteous without him. My righteousness is filthy rags. You can't be rich enough, good enough, moral enough, educated enough to be the person you need to be without Jesus Christ. So he says, all of my goodness is really nothing apart from you, O oh God. So uh, Jesus came and he had a pattern. And the pattern is this. He would walk by the Sea of Galilee and he'd see some fishermen and he'd say this to them. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. 
And so he says, this is what you're fishing for. You're fishing for fish. I want to bring you to a new level here, a new dimension. I want to make you a fisherman of men. He tells us if we are to go one mile, we should what? Go two miles. So if anybody asks you to go one mile, you ought to be going two miles. If someone asks for your shirt, you should give them your coat also. Don't just love the people who love you, but love your enemies. Don't commit adultery. You have heard you shouldn't commit adultery. But I say to you, don't even look at a woman with lust in your heart. I'm going to bring it to another level. He says um, that you've heard not to commit murder. That's a good thing. But I'm telling you, don't even be angry with someone without a cause. So in every one of these, the Lord is saying, let's take it to another level. You're fishermen of uh, fish. I want to bring you to fishermen of men. You're asked to go one mile, go two. If someone asks for your shirt, give them your coat. If you think that you might commit adultery, listen, let, let's one-up it. Don't even think about a woman with lust in your heart. And if you're thinking about uh, being angry with some person, he said, don't do it because that's really not what you ought to do. So in every case, he says, I don't want you to live on the same level as the world. Can I hear an amen? So our standard is not the standard that we choose. It's the standard that we're attaining to through Jesus Christ our Lord. So next level people. And I just took this week and jotted some things down that I thought next level people who they are. They tend to think differently than other people. They have a higher level of reasoning than other people. They tend to have a higher level of creativity than other people. They're willing to go that extra mile. They have a greater work ethic and energy level that's associated with them. They're more visionary and go-oriented than other people. Next level people live to a higher standard and next level people aren't satisfied of being average and most of you heard me say average is the best of the worst and the worst of the best so God is calling us to be above average do you believe that now how can we do that we can do that through him and that's his uh, his uh, his desire for us so this morning, I want to give you four observations about a next level person or what does it take to get to that next level. And I think everybody here feels better about themselves if they feel like they're making progress. You feel better about yourself if you feel like you're going forward. So here's the number one. Have you, uh, you have to get up before you can go up. Say that with me. You have to get up before you can go up. You have to get up before you can go up. Now Moses and the children of Israel, they're leaving Egypt. And in Deuteronomy, Moses is rehearsing what God said to him. Now understand that a lot of people didn't want to leave because they were comfortable where they were. But God was delivering them. And in Deuteronomy 10 and 11... Moses says, And the Lord said to me, Arise, begin your journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now notice this, this line, Arise, begin your journey. Say that with me. Arise and begin your journey. You can't begin the journey until you get up and start the journey. You can talk about it. You can debate it. You can write about it. You can tell your friends about it. But until you get up and go, how many of you know you're still there? It's like the old adage, if there's three frogs sitting on the log in the pond and two of them think about jumping, how many still on the log? Still three. Until you jump, you're still there. So listen, you can talk about leaving Egypt. You can talk about getting better. You can talk about going to where you're headed. But until you arise and go, how many of you know you're still there? So you have to get up to go up. Now, David does the same thing here in First uh, Chronicles 22 when he's talking to Solomon and the leaders of Israel about building the temple of God. 
Now I'm going to take you to verse 15. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen, stonecutters, and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold, silver, bronze, and iron, there's no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. Now look at this line. Arise and begin working. Now, I want to drop down to verse 19 and set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Therefore, arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy articles of God into the house that is to be built for the name of the Lord. So he, he says to Solomon, he says to the leaders, okay, we got everything ready. There's gold, there's silver, there's precious metals, there's stones, there's iron. So now you need to arise and build. You need to rise and go with this project. You see, sometimes, now get this, sometimes we aim to. Anybody ever aim to? Or I'm going to? Or I'm thinking about it? I deserve a better amen than that. <laughs> I'm going to do that, Carrie. Let me tell you what Carrie says to me. She said, Mike, we've lived in this house for 39 years and you hadn't finished it yet. That's just ugly. I know y'all never live a life like that. I know you've never said that. Well, you start projects, but you never finish it. Or you talk about projects. Or you aim to. Some of us need to quit aiming and just shoot, right? So you, you can't go up until you get up and the next level person has to put that into some practice. And we have to get up to go up. Here's the second one. What you need to do to go to the next level. Sometimes we need to put off some things. And what do you need to put off? And what do I need to put off to go to that next level? And sometimes there are some things in our life that we need to put off. Have you ever seen a race, a sprint in the Olympics? Have you ever noticed what those people wear? They wear as little as they can wear. Usain Bolt for the last several years has been the fastest human on the earth. And I really think I could outrun him. If he gave me 90 yards head start. <laughs> Have you noticed what Usain Bolt wears? He wears just the, the, the littlest clothes that he can wear. You know why? Because whatever they put on hinders the race. You don't see him in his overcoat. You don't see him with his backpack on. You don't see him in his boots running. What does he do? He strips down so he can run the race. So you and I, sometimes, we have some things in our life we have to put off or take off to run the race to get to the next level. Would you agree with that? Matter of fact, the Bible tells you that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore we also... Do we have any we's in here? Okay, there's two we's in there. Okay. Uh, we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and resets us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You're running a race. It's called life. You're headed to eternity. God's called you to do some things. So what's keeping you back? What's the weight that's holding you back? What's the sin that is besetting you? And sometimes in our life, we have to lay those things aside. Could it be maybe an anger issue? Could it be you have a bout with depression, disappointment, fear? Somebody's hurt you in the past or you've had some kind of abuse or maybe you have a negative mindset? And so we have to get over those things. Nobody gets out of here without some stuff. Everybody has junk in their trunk. Right? 
And what do you do? You have to say, okay, what do I need to lay off, get off, you know, encumber myself to run this race? As the Bible says, he says, every one of us have a weight or a sin that besets us, and we have to take care of that so we can get what? To the next level. And we're trying to get to the next level, not only individually, but corporately. We want to go up a step higher, and hopefully you want to do that too. And the Bible actually tells us to do that. Matter of fact, even Disney has frozen theology. Let it go. Let it go. Right? If you've got a young daughter, you know that song. So th there has to be some letting go of our life. Get rid of, the, rid of the sin, the weight, the whatever that keeps you going to the next level. And I have to do the same thing. So we have to let it go. We have to express our pain. We have to stop being a victim. And we have to rest in the victory that Jesus Christ has given us. So you have to put off some things to go to the next level. Here's the third thing. Don't get caught up in comparisons. You know what I do when I compare myself to somebody else? I always lose. Do you lose when you compare yourself to somebody else? Oh, they're thinner than me. They're better looking than me. They have a better house than me. They drive a better car than me. They dress sharper than me. Hey, wait. Comparisons are horrible. So don't get caught up in comparisons. See, I look at you. You're on a higher level than me. Or you excel at something that maybe I'm not good at. Maybe somebody sings better than you or plays better than you or sells better than you or leads better than you. Guess what? Don't compare you to somebody else. And let me tell you why. Because maybe you're better at what you do than what they do. You agree with that? And so when you start comparing yourself, then you get into this mindset that's not healthy and it won't bring you to the next level. Uh, Jesus gave us the parable of the talents. You remember? To one was given five, one, two, one, one. Now, why did he give them those varying numbers, a five, a two, and a one? Because he knew what each one could handle. Sometimes we can't handle... I mean, we're like a few good men. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just can't handle some things. But how many of you know God knows what you can handle? But have you noticed that the one who had the five, he gained ten, and the Lord was pleased with that? But the one who has two, gained two, and the Lord was pleased with that too. You know why? Because he knew what they could handle. So don't compare if you're a two person to the five person, but if you're a one person, goodness gracious, don't bury your talent. Do something with it because that guy didn't turn out very good, did he? So the Lord will give us things, but he wants us to take those things, take our life, take our callings, our anointed, and our gifts to another level. So he says, I'm going to give you this, but I want you to be fruitful, multiply. I want you to be profitable. So take that, but don't compare that. We can all go up, but we always are limited laterally. Now let me tell you why. Because you can't do everything well, and you don't do everything well. Would you agree with that? But what you're called to do and what you're gifted to do, there's no limit, there's no lid to what God can do through you. You can't do everything well, but you can do well with what you have and what you're called to do. Now, there's a difference between a NASA race car and your SUV. How many of you would agree with that? I did a little research. In 2021, the, the new Indy cars are now going to have over 900 horsepower in those cars. How would you like to drive a car that had 900 horses under the hood? 
You could take the curves at 100 miles an hour and you could go down the straightaways over 200 miles an hour. Some of you are chomping at the bits right now. I mean, you're salivating. You're thinking, man, if I could have that kind of race car, I could go up and down the streets of Duncan at 200 miles an hour. And we would send someone to visit you in jail. Because that car is not street legal. That car is souped up over 900 horsepower. Only one person can get in there. It's very hot. You have to wear special clothes. There's no air conditioning and no SM satellite radio. <laughs> but your SUV, you can get in there, tilt back the seat, turn the seat air on, turn the radio on, turn the air conditioning on. You could go to the school and pick up your kids. Matter of fact, you could pick up all six in your SUV. But if you had the Indy pace car, if you had the Indy sports car, if you were on the Indianapolis 500 track with your car, you could not go to the school. You could not pick up your kids. You could not turn on the air conditioner. You know what? You're in a different race than they are. And sometimes you say, I'd like to be in that race, but that's not your race. This is your race. So quit comparing your SUV to the Indy 500 car. Does that make sense? And sometimes we do that. And we say, God, man, I'd like to really be that. They're so good at that. Well, bless them. Let them be good at that. You be good at what God called you to be good at. So don't get caught up in this area of comparison because it will never help you. And here's the last one. Here's number four. Next level people must resist the temptation of becoming comfortable on the level they're currently on. Because sometimes we get to this level and it's okay. Enjoy it. Be comfortable. Uh, you know, celebrate it. But after a while, how many of you know you, you got to move on to the next level? You, you can't stay there. You say, why can't I stay there? Because God never leaves you the way he found you. He takes you to another level. Matter of fact, let me give you a verse. This is Amos chapter 6, verse 1. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Would you repeat that with me? Here we go. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Now let's all say it. Here we go. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. You know what God is saying? He's saying sometimes we get too comfortable. Sometimes we just stop. We quit moving. We quit progressing. We keep going. And, and that's not what he wants us to do. He wants us to keep moving. And uh, has anybody ever went home after work and sat down in your recliner and it ended right there? Y'all are so holy. The other day, Carrie, she asked me to do something. And I said, let me just sit down for a minute which I did, the next thing I knew, and, and, and listen, I, I'm going to tell you all my, my flaws here. I had stopped on the way home, and I got this big honking glass of iced tea. And I'm not talking about just 16 ounces. I'm talking about big gulp, styrofoam cup full of ice and iced tea. So I come in the house. She says, would you do this? And I said, sure. I sit down in my recliner, and, and I turn the television on, and I'm drinking this big glass of iced tea. You know what woke me up? I fell asleep with this big glass, honking glass of iced tea, and I dumped it all over me. I'm talking shirt, underwear, pants, Thank God it was a leather chair. 
I had a reservoir when I got up of ice and iced tea pooled in the bottom of the chair and I jumped up. That will wake you up. <laughs> I jump up out of the chair. I run to the utility room, start pulling my pants off like a wild person, putting all of my clothes in the dirty clothes, and, and I go in, and, and I know you got to get this picture out of your mind, and, and I go in, and I get the trash can, and I'm raking all the ice and the iced tea out of the chair and uh, put it in there before Carrie sees all of this happening. And so I told her about it later, but you know sometimes you can just get so comfortable and you just, oh... I'm done. Not only do I not get what I'm supposed to be doing, but I injure myself in the process. And I know you never do anything like that. But you're going to. But sometimes you get so comfortable that you sit down. And this is what the Lord is saying. He says, hey, woe to those that get at ease in Zion. Because you get to a place where you're comfortable and some of you just stop. Now let me give you a little heads up here. This is out of the prophet Haggai's writing. In chapter 1, he tells us that they've come back from bondage. They've been there for 70 long years. And here, here Haggai has come back and he's the prophet of God for Israel. And for 70 years they've been in bondage. So they come home and they're building their houses. They're planting their vineyards and their farms and their gardens. And they're building their businesses, which is great. I mean, God's all for that. And then after time... They just continue doing their thing. And then God comes to him and he says, wait a minute. You live in your houses. You have your business. You're doing your thing. He says, what about my work? What about my house? You've neglected my house. You've got comfortable in what you're doing, but you haven't risen to the next level to take care of the things of God. And I want to read the verse here. And this is... Uh, this is the new freedom they had, but they got so comfortable in it. This is verse 14. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealti, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did the work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now here's the key word. And the Lord stirred up the spirit. The Bible says the Lord stirred up his spirit, the Lord stirred up his spirit, and then it says, and the Lord stirred up all their spirits. It's almost like dumping a big glass of tea in your lap. You get stirred up. And so what's happening here? God is saying, hey, guys, you've got so comfortable, I'm going to have to stir you up to get you motivated. That's what Paul told Timothy. He says, stir up the gift that is within you. Don't, don't neglect it. Don't, don't get comfortable in it. Stir it up. Let, let the Holy Spirit begin to work through you and do the things through you that needs to be done through you. Matter of fact, this is what the Lord said in the Old Testament. He said, he said I've stirred you up in a leadership style. Now, here's the exact words. He said, as a eagle stirs up her nest, that's how I lead you. Now, what is he saying? He says, we're going to take a lesson from the eagle. That mother eagle, she builds her nest. She, she gets the wood together, and I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle's nest, but it's massive. I'm talking about massive. And, and they build the nest up in the high heights of the rocks or the high trees. And there are huge branches and sticks that that eagle goes in and builds that nest with. And she brings in the leaves and 
she brings in the, the pine uh, leaves and the different things to make that nest as comfortable as she can make it. And she pulls out her own fur, her old down and, and feathers, and she, she lines that nest to make it as comfortable as she can make it, and she lays her eggs. And she sits on those eggs, and when those little eaglets hatch, how, how many have ever seen a baby eaglet? They're just ugly. They got big googly eyes, and they got like patchy down, and they're, they're very awkward, and all, all the food that they eat has to be brought in by that pair of eaglets, eagles. So those little eaglets have to have their food brought to them. But as they grow and they mature, then that mother, she is on the side of the the nest, she's flapping her wings and says, okay, babies, you know, you were meant to fly. You weren't meant to be in the comfort of the nest. So she says, this is the way you do it. And the Bible says that she even takes those eaglets and puts on her back and takes them for a trial run. Can you imagine that little eaglet on mama's back holding on for dear life as mama's swooping around maybe 5,000 feet in the air or 1,000 feet in the air? And then one by one, she wants them to fly. And this is one of the things she does. The Bible says she stirs up her nest. You know what she does? She takes the feathers and she, she throws them out. She takes the leaves and throws them out. And she takes her beak and she begins to hook them in the twigs and the branches and begins to pull them up. And that little eagle is saying, it's not as comfortable here as it used to be. What's she doing? She's trying to get that eaglet to leave the nest. And then one by one, they begin to fly. She shows them how to fly. And, and maybe, she has, maybe she has a baby that won't fly. So she puts the baby on her back and she takes the baby up and takes a trial run. And sometimes they've been known to roll the baby off of her back. Can you think about what that baby's thinking? Mom, you brought me up here to kill me. And usually the babies would spring their their wings out and flutter their wings and they would begin to fly. But if one didn't, she has the capacity to dive down and catch them before they hit the ground and says, maybe the next day you'll do this. And God said, that's the way I lead you. I don't want to leave you in the nest. Do you know there's going to be some people, now look at me and smile, they're going to show up at heaven with a pacifier in their mouth and pampers on. Now, that's okay if you just got saved. But I'm going to guarantee you, there's some people that's been in the church for 40 years. They're going to show up in heaven with a pacifier in their mouth and with pampers on. You said, that's not going to be true. Paul dealt with it. He said, there was a time that you should be eating meat. You should have been full grown. But he says, you're still on the milk of the word. He said, you should have matured, but you're still children in Christ. You know what he's saying? Don't stay on this level. Keep growing. Keep going. Peter addressed it. He said, add to your faith knowledge and wisdom and virtue. He says, whatever you have, add to it. Don't stay there. Don't go, don't go to the pearly gates with a pacifier in your mouth. Go there as a full, mature Christian. Because some people have gotten stuck. They've got comfortable. They haven't gone to the next level. And I'm here to challenge you, don't ever do that. And whatever level you're on, that's great. If you're a baby in Christ, you can be nothing else. But how many of you know you don't have to stay a baby? If you've been in the church 30 years... Sometimes people say this, well, I've had 30 years experience. No, 
You've had one year of experience repeated 30 times. Okay, some of you get that on the way home. Don't stay at the same level you're on, individually or corporately. Folks, I want to see greater things from God. How about you? I want to see the greater, greater miraculous things of God. How about you? I, I want to know the deep things of God. How about you? I, I'm not here for religion. I'm not here for denomination. I'm not here to do church. I'm here to know Jesus. And I think you are too. I'm here to grow in the Lord, and I think you are too. Don't stay at the same level that you've always been on. So God is challenging us. Just as Haggai said, the Lord stirred them up. I believe the Holy Spirit stirs us up. I believe the Holy Spirit gives us a hunger and a longing and desire to grow and to expand and to stretch ourselves. Matter of fact, everything that gives birth has to be stretched. And ladies, that was a good time for you to say amen. No one gives birth without being stretched. And God is saying, I'm stretching you. I'm stirring you up. So folks, here's the message today. Let you and I be next level people. Let's not get to a place where we just stop or camp out and say that's all there is. Let's keep moving forward in God. And let's keep growing in God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Bow your head with me. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.